Welcome to the Why Jesus Network, answering life's most important question. Uh, and this is kind of the pre-launch to the, um, to the Why Jesus podcast. It's a, the pre-launch and the first episode. So I don't know what you would call it, but we're just going to rock with it. So just before I get into my testimony, I want you guys to understand what you're, what you're going to see here at the Why Jesus Network, and if you're on, if you're listening to a streaming uh, through a streaming service, then you know obviously you won't see us, but you will hear us. And the reason that I'm saying us is because this is not just me, John Clash. If you've been paying attention to the channel at all, you'll notice that uh, there's a bunch of different Christian creators who have been posting, and that's what we're going to be doing here, bringing together a whole bunch of different theologically sound. All right, guys, listen theologically sound Christian creators, right? So if you guys are listening to this and not viewing this, but just listening to it, you might hear in the background um, like cars going by and sirens and stuff like that. I currently live in the middle of San Juan, Puerto Rico, and it is one of the loudest places that exists. I have soundproof on my window. I got soundproof back here, but the sound just creeps in. So, but announcement I will be moving in March, so we're going to be moving to a much, much nicer, more quiet, I don't want to say nicer because this neighborhood's not bad, but a much more quiet area, so I'm really excited for that and to finally build an actual studio in our house, so shout out to everybody who has been praying for us to get the house, it's happening, so thank you, truly appreciate it. So with that being said, make sure to like, share, subscribe, all of that good YouTube stuff. And if you're listening to this on, uh, on a streaming software, do the same exact thing, like, share, subscribe. So I wanted to start off the, the Why Jesus podcast, and I wanted to start it off in a way where kind of explaining the theme. And the theme of the Why Jesus network as a whole is answering that question why jesus and not only why jesus as your your worldview of why putting your faith in christ is a great idea probably no definitely the best idea that exists you would be for you to put your faith in christ trust me right and if you don't trust me trust the bible okay but not only viewing that question of why Jesus through that lens of why Jesus for salvation, but why Jesus is the, the lens that we need to see everything through. Why is the scripture the lens that we need to see everything through in life? You know, whether you're looking at politics, whether you're looking at the hot topics today in pop culture, whether you're looking at uh, news that's in your, in your local area or worldwide, how do we view these things through the proper Christian lens, and we're going to be discussing all of that on here and hopefully entertaining you at the same time. So with that being said, I figured a good way to start this would be for me to just tell you why Jesus in my life and go through pretty much my testimony of how how I arrived at being a Christian. And then maybe another day I'll go through, um, I'll go through the journey of to where I'm at now and like starting a ministry and everything like that. If, if you could call it, I call it a mini street because it's, it's a small channel. So it's mini street. Hopefully 
that joke won't stick for uh, too long and it, and, it, and it can grow, God willing. But anyway, I wanted to start just by telling you my testimony because a lot of people ask me uh, to share it and usually it's within settings where I don't have a lot of time. And it's always like interview style and they're like, hey, tell us your testimony. And I'm, I was just on uh, John Adams ministry. Shout out to John Adams. Uh, and he asked me my testimony and it ended up being like, 10 minutes long i'm like my bad man i'm so sorry uh but just because there's a lot to it so that's what we're going to be talking about today normally i'll be paying paying attention to the chat a lot more but um daryl's going to be doing that just because i kind of want to just zone in and and converse with you and, and not get distracted maybe at the end i'll, I'll answer some questions or daryl if you if you see any you know just uh save them for the end like copy them and save them for the end but um, you know, I kind of just want to talk to you guys. So where did it all begin? Uh, so I didn't grow up in the church uh, in the literal sense. My father, who's an atheist, took us to church. I don't know if he was an atheist back then um, or if he was just taking us to church to appease my, my grandmother. But he took us to Catholic church and that was kind of my, own, my only experience with religion. We barely spoke about it, barely. We never spoke about it unless I was being bad. My father would hit me with, a, what would Jesus do? And I'm like, ah, I don't know. You know, but uh, so I, I kind of did like the cultural Catholic thing that pretty much everybody else was just doing. You know, you see people getting their kids baptized and, and they couldn't even tell you what the four gospels are. You know, it, it's just part of culture. I'm, I'm Italian, Irish, and Spanish. Uh, all of those are are pretty catholic cultures so and, and then you throw us in new york and it's like yeah everybody's catholic so that was kind of the um the environment that i was in but it was cultural catholicism so i didn't really learn too much i kind of just went went through the motions because my parents weren't into it at home so i wasn't into it either while i was there or while i was at home and there was no discussion about um there's no discussion about God or Jesus or any anything like that in home in the home. So it's not like anyone was hostile towards God in the home. It just it just wasn't a conversation, you know. And I didn't really know anybody else who who was anything beyond cultural culturally Catholic or maybe some some of my friends when I was a little kid were Christians, but I just didn't know because none of them were like some of the Christians that I know now or, or like how I am now that is just super on fire for Christ. So there was really no conversations about that. I, I was just a kid skateboarding around and uh, that was pretty much it. Then uh, my parents got divorced. And so when my parents got divorced, we they split up and my mom went one way, my father went another way, and the kids, me and my brothers, we went with my father. Uh, he got remarried to my stepmother, Joan, and she has a daughter, so now I got a sister. And we all moved to Yonkers. And this was when I was like, I don't know, 12, 12 or 13, one, one of those, 12 or 13, 13 years old. And when I moved down there, at first I was really excited really really excited about uh living there i was mad i was leaving my friends because i just kind of became popular in school i got in a fight and uh i i kicked some kid 
I also, uh, by that point, had a black belt in Kuk Sul Wan, so I like kicked some kid, and that made me super popular. Uh, so I was like, dang, I just, I just finally got popular after getting picked on forever. I finally got popular, and now we're moving. But anyway, I was still excited because Yonkers was more city-ish than where, than where I was living. So I was excited to move there and uh, meet new people and, and make new friends. But it was, it was kind of culture shock to me. Not necessarily in the sense of there was different cultures, but that the place was a different culture. Uh, we grew up around different cultures, different backgrounds. Uh, that was like regular for us. But when I moved to Yonkers, the culture of Yonkers was different than upstate New York. And I got thrown into the public school system and I was like, yo, this is crazy. And I went to like the quote unquote best public school that they had there. But, I, you know, I was getting in fights. I was getting picked on. It, it was just nuts. So after, um, you know, trying to, uh, to cope with that in like a nice way, I finally snapped. And not only did I snap because of the stuff that was going on in school or, you know, my brothers got their bike stolen like three times. And I was like, this is ridiculous. I had no idea that this type of environment was like was like this all the time. When I was younger, I had friends who like lived in Brooklyn and stuff. And it, it's still, I, I knew it was crazy environments, but this was just weird. Like I, I was not used to it. So I eventually got involved in gangs and I, I started rapping. Uh, I sang for a little bit, but I liked rapping more. So I, I got into the hip hop scene and that actually saved me a little bit because since I was so good at rapping, you know, People were like, oh, no, nah, he's cool. He, he could rap. But we were, we were still getting in fights because then when, you know, you get a little crew, then that crew got beef with this crew. And then now you're involved in gangs and this gang got beef with that gang. So it was it was pretty interesting uh, growing up. And um, so because of my activity in the streets and, and just my attitude and the problems that we had at home, the house was just crazy. I was crazy. My brothers were crazy. And we made the house crazy. Um, you know, my, my, my stepmom, who we have an amazing relationship now, but at the time she, um, like we just bumped heads, you know, here it was just her and my little sister in the house. And then, you know, these, these four dudes move in and we just, we just turned stuff up. So like looking back on it, I totally, uh, I totally understand why we bumped heads, but, um, anyway, ended up getting kicked out and I moved to Murder Hill or Elm Street, which is one of the worst neighborhoods that you could be in. I was only there for six months, but that was uh, that was enough. Then I bounced around a lot just because, you know, I was just trying to just trying to make ends meet. And I ended up moving to Riverdale and 288 Riverdale is probably one of the worst places that anybody could live. But each apartment had its own boiler, so I never lost hot water. So that was a plus when I moved out of that neighborhood and into a nice neighborhood, the building didn't have its own hot water and I couldn't control my heat and stuff. So, you know, you trade things, you could duck bullets, but you got your own boiler or you could not duck bullets and you can't control your own heat. I don't know, trade-offs in Yonkers. But anyway, so it, it just continuously got worse, right? So that was the environment that I was in. I was not, I was not a good kid. Uh, me and my friends, we robbed people, we sold drugs, we did drugs, we drank, we Anything you could think of, we were doing it. Slept around, all of that stuff. I'm not saying this to like, yeah, yeah, look at the, all the stuff we used to do. I'm just trying to give you some perspective of, of how far down this hole I was. I had failed relationship after failed relationship after failed relationship. I, I, I dated women uh, 
that I thought I could save even though I needed to be saved myself. And I had a, a weird twisted view of, of love. So you add all the, you add drugs, you add selling drugs, you had being in a negative environment, doing hip hop, all of this stuff. Then you throw some broken hearts in, in there. It makes for good music, but it doesn't make for a good life. And so I was doing music and I, I was gaining some traction. And in gaining that traction, I was being managed by somebody who was uh, involved with Cash Money, Young Money Records. And I was like, all right, this is looking good. He had me in meetings with um, with uh, president of G-Unit at the time. And it, it was, <laughs> ask me to tell you the story of what happened when I went to G-Unit. Uh, I almost ruined everything, but that's a story for, for another time and for a private conversation. But um, maybe I'll put that on for my Patreons. <laughs> but anyway, so I had won uh, two Underground Music Awards. Uh, one was for Best Video of the Year, right? And this was kind of, now I'm 28 years old, guys. So you got to think, 17, I got kicked out. Now I'm 28 years old. And this, this has been my life for 10 years straight. Just doing pretty much whatever I want. Getting in trouble, getting out of trouble, uh, getting arrested. You know, like, it just... It was crazy. It was so bad at one point that the police had me flagged as somebody who, who had guns. I guess somebody snitched on me when they got arrested and they said that I had guns. And I did. So they were correct. But every time I would get pulled over, I would uh, my whole entire car would get searched. And it was just a really wild time for me. But so anyway, I... I where were we at? Oh, the Underground Music Awards. So... I had, I was also an electrician, right? Praise God for my family pushing me to become an electrician because there was, there was periods in that time where I did a lot less street stuff because I was working. Because, but there was also a lot of layoffs that came with that as well. But I learned a lot being an electrician. That's a story for another time. But so I was working and I was finally, I was taking my money, put it in, putting it into my music, you know, just trying to stay on, on the right track and just use music as my way out. And then I moved into an apartment and I got laid off. If It feels like the next day, but it was very short after I moved into the apartment. Now I was sleeping on a cot and eating ramen noodles every single day on the cot that I used for the music video. We, we put everything, the team that I worked with, we put everything into that music video. We... It was so much work. It won the Underground Music Awards, and I was like, look, if this don't work, I don't know what's, what I'm gonna do. So, won the Underground Music Awards, and that was it. I thought something was gonna happen, nothing happened. My relationship with um, my manager wasn't going well. We, we didn't see eye to eye, and you know, I was, I was just tired. I went like six, six months or so of just sleeping on the cot, eating ramen noodles every single day, drinking what I could find to drink and just just being miserable and there's a subplot that went on through all of this that I'm going to touch on in a little bit when I was involved in Santeria all right I'm going to touch on that in a bit but I want I want to bring you to the to the place where I was when I first started hearing about the gospel right so after being you know in that situation for about six months uh, my manager, long story short, there's a couple of like subplots in this as well, but long story short, my manager introduced me to the industry of network marketing, working from home, right? Uh, if you don't know what network marketing is, 
think of like Herbalife, think of Avon, think of, you know, all of that stuff, right? I never heard of this industry in my whole entire life, just never heard of it, right? So this is, some people call it pyramid schemes, right? There are definitely pyramid schemes out there, but there are also legit companies, right? I didn't know either way. So you could have told me anything. I probably would have been like, yeah, let's do it because I had no moral compass anyway. Thank God I got involved in a pretty good company with really good people in it, with a really good product. And because of that, I made a lot of money really fast. So I went from sleeping on a cot, eating ramen noodles every single day to, and I was driving a 98 Ford Thunderbird that the wheel fell off, 98 or 97. And the wheel fell off. I went from driving that to a five series BMW and now traveling all over the world. I was making money in my sleep. Like things really turned around for me. I was able to buy furniture. So that was good too. But things really turned around for me. And um, in that, in that environment, I got invited to these trainings that they used to do, right? They still do them. But I went to these, this, the first training and when I went there, the environment was very positive. Everybody was like, was like, hey, what's up, man? How are you? Bob? Giving me high fives and stuff like that. And to me, it was the weirdest thing ever because I'm used to like when you enter somewhere, your guard is up. I was in a motorcycle club too. You know, like I was a sergeant at arms in a motorcycle club. So our whole entire job is to scope out everything and make sure everything's good to keep the president of the club and everybody else safe. And if something goes down, it's me that has to go handle it, right? So like this is, you guys got to understand my mentality. Like, this is how I was. I walk into this place and everybody's like, yo, what's up, man? How is it? And giving me high fives and stuff. I'm like, what the heck is going on? But I liked it. I really enjoyed it. After that training, I was like, man, this is cool. So I started to get introduced to personal development. And personal development, if you don't know what this is, there's go to the self-help section in Barnes & Noble. You got list, long list of self-help books to help you improve yourself. Until this point in my life, I was under the impression that you cannot change who you are. All you can do is change your surroundings. Like if I make enough money, I can change my surroundings. If I do this, I can change my surroundings. If I become a famous rapper, I can change my surroundings. That's how I thought. I never knew that you could change yourself as a person, right? And you know, to an extent that stuff works. Uh, nothing like the saving grace of Jesus Christ and the power of sanctification uh, through the Holy Spirit, like nothing like that, but that's, that's later on. So anyway, I got around people who were millionaires, right? And these people were telling me, John, you have to change the way that you think. If you want this business to work, you have to work on yourself just as much as you work on the business. You have to be a pleasure to work with. Don't think that just because you made some money really quick that you know everything. You have to get better, not only at this, but better at being a person. And I would have never listened to that advice. I would have always just said, nah, man, this is who I am. Either love it or leave it. But because I had respect for these guys, I was like, all right. They, they know they're making millions of dollars. Let me listen to what they're saying. I will try to change as a person. And then I really started enjoying the process of changing as a person. You know, I got introduced to motivational speakers, motivational speaking. I got to do some motivational speaking. So there was a, a whole lot of really good stuff that came from that. But then I got, so there was also some negative stuff too. Uh, I got introduced to the law of attraction through that. 
And if you don't know what the law of attraction is, I have a book coming out uh, debunking it. But at the time, I truly, truly believed in the law of attraction. And there are some principles that the law of attraction teaches, like thinking positive instead of negative all the time that are they're good practical tools. But then it drifts into, you know, thinking that the universe is bending to your will. And, and then if you trace it all back, it goes back to Satanism. But that's a story for another that's a story for another time. But anyway, I no longer practice that stuff. And I am coming out with a book. So get it because I destroy that thing. But anyway, so I get around these people and then I also get around people who are millionaires who believe in God. And this was like, it did not compute in my mind, guys. Did not compute. Okay, so here I am. These people are, are on stage attributing, you know, first thing out of their mouth when they're talking about their success. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus, my Lord and Savior. And I'm like, this is bugged out. Like, I really thought that you had to be poor if you were a Christian. I thought you had to, like, take a vow of poverty or something like that. Like, no, you're, you're supposed to be poor. You can't be rich and a Christian. That It just did not compute in my mind. But it piqued my interest. Now, that was, that was about it. Then I got invited to go to Guatemala to build a school. And when I went to Guatemala to build the school, I went there. Um, so this is what happens when you get in good environments, when you get around people that are doing good things. I wanted to go to Mexico to turn up, but the people I was around were like, no, John, we're going to Guatemala to build this school. So either come with us or go to Mexico by yourself. I was like, all right, cool, I'm gonna go with you. And that trip not only changed my life, but there was a guy, Dave Watson there, who I knew he was a Christian. So I just started asking him questions like, hey man, I'm, I'm trying to figure out this God thing. I know this person believes in it, but I'm, I'm trying to figure this out, what do I do? And he just told me some things to read in the Bible and wasn't nothing really came from it, but this was the first, this was one of the first people who gave me some direction, you know? So then whatever, uh, I get back um, from, uh, from that. And so this seed is planted in my head. But I still have a, a very negative view of Christianity. You know, I may have a better view of, of God. Like, all right, it, maybe God exists, but he probably doesn't. If he exists, he's doing a horrible job. Look at the evil in the world. You know, the, this is, this is my, my thought process. The Bible condones slavery. You know, like all of these things I thought. And so I was very hostile to it. I remember having a conversation in, I think we were in Nashville, Tennessee, with one of my teammates and uh he was a former mormon at that time and you know i was just somebody who did not believe in in christianity at all we had a very intense conversation about how stupid the bible is like that's that's how that's where i was guys now before i continue i need to tell you about what brought me to this hostility towards christianity and and, and anything that kind of remotely resembles Christianity, right? So we're going to pause right there. Now, years before this even happened, when I was still in the streets, running around like an idiot, doing all that stuff, I was invited to a Santeria meeting. Now, the way I was, if you don't know what Santeria is, it is a, it's an Afro-Cuban uh, religion in which they pray to saints, they, uh, or they call them Orishas, right? They pray to saints. And in praying to the saints, you know, you light candles, you, you got a little altar and everything. 
I had no idea what, what it was. And I'm going to get into you into how I learned what it was. But so I was doing that for a long time. I got invited to, um, to uh, my friend's house. He was like, John, you got to come see this. They used to call me Clash more often. So Clash, you got to come see this. This lady's going to tell you your future. She's going to tell you everything you need to do in your life, blah, blah, blah. And me, even though I didn't really believe in God, I still believed in psychics. You know, I remember I went to Atlantic City to get my palm read. Not, I didn't go there to get my palm read. I just, I was on the boardwalk. And the lady read my palm and she was like, you're going to work with your hands the rest of your life. I was like, this is not what I want to hear because I wanted to be a famous rapper, right? So I was looking for anybody to tell me uh, that I'm, that I'm going to be a famous rapper, right? Now, excuse me real quick. So the timelines of all this stuff is kind of like overlapping each other. It's, it's like an MCU movie. It's like I'm living two different lives, right? So in one life, I'm like, yeah, Christianity is stupid. God doesn't really exist, whatever. And in the other life, I'm practicing Santeria. But the reason I was practicing it was because I looked at it like a good luck charm. And this is how they got me. So I go to the meeting, right? And I didn't know what it was. But picture any regular like seance movie that you could think about. It was kind of like that, except, except downplayed a bit. There was candles everywhere, but I walked in and everybody's smoking cigars, drinking beer, playing music, having fun. And I'm like, man, this is, this is pretty cool, you know? So I'm smoking cigars, drinking, uh, drinking my beer and just like partying, but nothing's going on yet. Then all of a sudden, the atmosphere like shifts a little bit, right? And I don't mean that in, in like the weird... Uh, new apolis NAR. I don't know how to say that. New apolistic. You know who I'm talking about? Like those weird Christians that like the atmosphere shifting, Holy Spirit atmosphere. You know, it wasn't like that. I just mean it got weird, right? So this lady, I watch her start going into a trance. And what's crazy is I knew this lady. This was somebody that I knew through my friend. I didn't know that she was the lady that was going to tell us our fortunes or, or whatever. I, I, had, I had no idea. So I, um, well, let me just make sure everything's good. All right, we are good. Uh, so she starts doing this stuff and everything's in Spanish, right? But she's, she transforms into somebody who's not her. I know that sounds weird, but I'm witnessing this happen, right? Not physically, but at the same time, yes, physically, because like her, her body changed. If you're, uh, if you're listening to this on streaming, like I'm making weird body symbols. Like it, it was like she was convulsing, right? And then would turn into her personality would shift, right? And then she would be this one, this one person for a while, and then she would get a different color sash. There were these sashes, right? And she would get a different color one. And then boom, she would turn into a completely different person. She even turned into a baby crawling on the floor, like all of these weird things, right? And while she does this, she's calling people over to, um, she's calling people over to talk to them, right? So I'm like, oh, she must be telling them the their uh, their future. So I, I'm like, when is she gonna tell me? And then all of a sudden, she brings me up. So this is what happens. This lady starts telling me things that I never told anybody, nobody, never told them a single thing. Like, and she knew these things about my childhood and about my family that nobody knew. And 
I was like, oh, this is bugged out. But not only that, I would speak to her in English and she would respond to me in Spanish. I had uh, one of my friends was translating for me, but she wouldn't, my friend would not translate what I said in English to her. And this person did not speak English. I knew this person did not speak English. So here I am speaking English to this lady and my friend's not translating it. And the lady is speaking back to me in Spanish, answering the questions that I asked her. Totally bugged out. So then she, um, then she goes, uh, she tells me that they're going to give me, she says, we're going to give you everything that you want. You want to be on stages. You want to do this. You want to do that. We're going to give you everything that you want. And all you have to do is light these candles. Um, you know, use this, uh, make this food, put, put this here, do the whole altar thing essentially. Now me, you got to understand guys, I got zero spiritual discernment. I don't even think God is really real. All I know is that this lady is telling me something that I never told anybody. She's telling me about things in my family that I never told anybody. And she's telling me about my current life situation and telling me that they're going to give me everything. I said, look, what is the worst that could happen? I light these stupid candles. I make this altar and all these good things happen. Let's do it, right? So boom, signed up for the class right then and there. Bought the little, bought the things, made an altar, kept my candles lit. I read the little prayers that they told me to read. I thought this was like some Roman Catholic thing because they're telling you they pray to the saints, right? So this is me just doing this for, uh, and life got better. It did. It 100% got better for me. I, this is when music started like really kicking off. I was winning awards. I was getting managed. Like that's like that period right there, right? So Things were getting better for me, and then I, um, uh, then I got lazy, right? So I stopped lighting my candles. I stopped buying the little candy to put in the dish. I stopped putting the cigars there. I stopped putting the little liquor there. What? And why do these saints need liquor? Like it's hard liquor. It's not like they're drinking wine. But whatever. I'm not questioning anything. I don't know any better. So I, I'm doing. I, I kind of stopped doing all that stuff, or just did the bare minimum. Then um, I get a call from one of my friends and they're like, John, what are you doing? I'm like, uh, nothing. Why? What's up? They're like, the saints are mad at you. I'm like, what are they? What do you mean they're mad at me? They're like, yeah, they know you're not taking care of your altar. They know you're not lighting the candles. They know you're not doing this. And if you do not start doing this stuff again, they're going to take everything from you. I was like, What? All right, what do I got to do? Oh, you got to do a seance. You got to do this. You got to. So I now had to buy all of this stuff to do my own party and everything. I was the host of the party that people invite people to. Really bugged out. So at that party, a few things happen. Um, one, they said, hey, if you, if you do not continue to do this, we're going to take everything from you. And I'm like, I don't know if it was that party or the next one is when they said that. Probably that one. Um, and... When they said that, I'm like, yo, we making threats now? We're making threats. Like, that's what's going on. But I'm like, well, who cares? Let me light these stupid candles. And if I'm getting everything that I want, let me just do it anyway, right? So I, I don't think it was this. It was that one. Then the next one, I see some really bugged out stuff. Really bugged out stuff. This lady, 
I don't know if it was the next one. Whatever, time, the, the time doesn't matter. It matters to me, not you guys. Uh, so this lady starts breaking glass while she's possessed. She starts breaking glass and swallowing it. She breaks it over her head, breaks the glass over her head, picks up the pieces and starts swallowing glass. Now, I'm just looking at this like, nah, this is wild. This, this is a little bugged out. But I have zero spiritual discernment. None at all. This is where I'm like hostile towards Christianity a little bit. And, and then this experience made me a little bit more hostile towards it. So anyway, this is how I kind of shifted away from that. I went on a date, right? And when I went on this date, I was wearing the beads that... Um, the they give you they give you these protection beads they bless them you put them on nobody's allowed to touch them all of that stuff so i go on this date and the lady the lady uh the young woman that i'm on the date with is a latina woman so she asked me she's like hey what are those beads and i'm like oh here i am this is how stupidly arrogant i was i'm thinking oh she don't know what these beads are and she's latina and I'm about to tell her about her own culture? Oh man, I'm gonna have a good night tonight. Like I, I really thought that this was gonna give me cool points by me explaining to her what these beads are. So I'm like, oh, this is for Santeria. You, you've heard of Santeria? You know, this they're blessed and blah, blah, blah. And she's like, tell me a little bit about it. That should have been my first, uh, my first sign that this was not gonna go well. So I start telling her about it and how the saints and all of this stuff. And she goes, yeah, John, those aren't saints. Those are demons. And just like gives me a dead stare. And I was like, what? She's like, yeah, read this, this, and this in the Bible. Those are demons. I don't even remember what she told me to read. Don't even remember it. But I brushed it off because, I, you know, I was like, yeah, whatever. Um... But it planted a seed in my mind, right? And when that seed was planted in my mind, it made me go research what this was. So when I researched the origins of it, I realized that this is actually an African spirituality that was brought over to the Caribbean through the slave trade. And because the African slaves were not allowed to continue practicing their religion, they disguised their religion as um, worshiping the saints. Instead of worshiping their Orishas, they worshiped, they quote unquote worshiped the saints. So I was like, wait a minute. So this isn't some Catholic thing? This is a pretend Catholic thing? Like, this is what's going on in my mind. But let me remind you guys, I did not really care. As long as it was giving me good things in life, that's all that I cared about, right? Then it got to a point where I needed a cleansing, and this cleansing was bugged out. So they did like this ritual on me, they cleansed me, and they even, took, they even asked me for sperm, right? Yes, I, I said that, you heard that correctly. They asked me for my sperm, and me, I stupidly give it to them. You know, I'm like, how do I, how do, I do this, you know? And don't use your imagination, but it happened, and I... They took it and did whatever. I still have no idea what they did with it, right? I've had some people, uh, I made a video about this, and um, they, they've commented what they believe that it is, but I uh, haven't got a solid answer. doesn't matter to me. The, um, you know, when, when you are sanctified by uh, 
the Holy Spirit and you put your faith in Christ, all of that stuff falls off of you. All, all of those chains break. Any any witchcraft or whatever I may have been involved in, all gone. Second, you put your life, uh, put your faith in Christ. None of that has power over you. So anyway, that's a whole, I'm going on a tangent. So this is the craziness that I got going on. This is the baggage that I enter uh, everything with, right? So then I get invited. So now fast forward. So that whole subplot happened underneath everything that I just told you before leading up to me finally getting invited to church. Now, at this point, I not only believed in, uh, didn't really believe in the Santeria, but I was just continuing it because just I don't want to lose all the things that I got. I know what it's like to be broke. Don't like it. So I'm just going to keep going, keep rocking with it. So I got that going on. Now I'm also believing new age beliefs, right? And I even carried some of these new age beliefs into Christianity, which I'll get into in a bit. So I'm believing new age beliefs without realizing that I'm believing new age beliefs because, you know, they introduced me to the law of attraction and now I'm reading the secret and listening to the secret every day and all this stuff. Really bugged out. But anyway, I get invited to church. And the way that they got me to go to church was they said, John, you got to come. It's like a rock concert. And I said, like a rock concert? I think I'm going to go. So it wasn't only because of that, but, you know, I was around people who believed in God and stuff like that. And God really used that network marketing company to, to bring me to him because I got around people who believed in God. I got around people who weren't selling drugs, weren't, you know, in the streets. And I, I was able to remove myself from that negative environment, get into a positive environment. After I'm in the positive environment, now they invite me to church. And now, boom, here I am in the middle of, of Hillsong, NYC. Uh, and it was like a rock concert, right? So I have uh, much different opinions on Hillsong now, but at that time, Hillsong was, was rocking in New York. It was taken over. It was the cool church to go to, and I had an amazing experience. Amazing experience, especially, guys, think about the religious experiences I've had up to that point. I had the Catholic church, stand up, sit down, stand up, sit down, say Hail Mary, oh, confess your sins, you know, to, to the guy behind the, um, the thing. You know, that's that's all that I had. Then in the home, atheism, not even talking about God unless you do something bad, right? Then I have the Santeria experience. Like I got all of this stuff going on and then I go to Hillsong and I'm like, this is really cool. This is a lot of fun. And it was it was a motivational speech. That's actually my biggest issue with these churches now is that everything's a motivational speech. But at that time, I was still into personal development and motivational speeches and stuff. So that to me was boom, that's exactly what I needed. But I wasn't a believer. I, I was going there because I enjoyed the experience. I had a lot of fun, right? Then I get invited to another church in Connecticut. So I go to that church in Connecticut. Uh, my friend invited me. He's like, John, you got to come. It's like a regional. So a regional is like a training event. So our training events are a lot of fun. So I'm like, all right, if it's like a regional, that other one was like a rock concert. Let's do it. Let, let's see what's up. So I go to that one, and it's a much smaller church. It's right by my mom's house. And um, uh, in it being by my mom's house, it was just very convenient. It, I mean, it's far into Connecticut, but it was convenient in, in the fact that I could just go see my mother after. But so I go to that church, and it was, I, don't, I can't remember the sermon. But I do remember that I was down at the front afterwards, after they do the whole altar call, if you want to give your life to Christ, all that stuff. I go down to the front. I don't even know how I got there. I go down to the front. I'm taking the pamphlet. 
And, you know, here I am saying, yeah, yeah, Jesus, Lord and Savior, yeah, yeah, all, all that stuff. Then I get to my mom's house, and I'm like, I'm like, what did I just do? I, I didn't believe in Jesus. I had an emotional experience. I went down to the front, took the little pamphlets, because I was caught up in the moment, right? And I think that that happens a lot in church now, but that's a topic for another time. Um, I think it's good that they did the altar call, and, and this kind of, pushed me into thinking about this more but you know I, I sat there playing with everything that laid there because I was in bed but I, I was playing back everything that went on I'm like man what what does this mean that I just walked up and gave my life to Christ do I does this mean I'm a Christian does this mean I got to drive to Connecticut every weekend do I got to give these people money do I got to stop having sex outside of marriage do I got to stop doing all this stuff what does this mean I can't drink anymore this is all the things that I'm thinking right because I, I had I had no bearing on what what actual christianity was but it was at that moment that i realized i did not put my faith in christ that's not what happened i had an emotional experience but at that point i made a decision i'm like i'm really gonna figure this stuff out really gonna figure it out so that's when i went down the rabbit hole of looking into other religions the 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 first religion i looked into even prior to that was the origins of santeria so i kind of had an idea how do you look into the origins of religions i i even looked into atheism because i'm like here i am telling christians that their worldview is stupid i don't even know what i believe as this atheist who's lighting candles over here and sometimes even putting god in my in my rap music because it's poetic you know so I really, really went down a long journey of studying, is the New Testament reliable? You know, that was that was very important. Did Jesus even really exist as a person? You know, I thought he did, but then at the same time, I thought he was, uh, you know, I've, I've heard the stories of how he's a recreation of Horus and all of that stuff. So, you know, I kind of had a, a muddied idea of, uh, of Jesus, but... I did like his leadership, you know, so that, that interests me. So that was my focus, was was first, let me find out what all these other worldviews believe. Like, what does Hinduism believe? What does Buddhism believe? What does um, atheism believe? What, what do agnostic? I didn't even know that I was an agnostic at the time, borderline atheist, but I didn't even know what that word really meant. So I looked into what does that mean? And then I'm like, oh, well, maybe that's me. Then I start looking into, um, so when I started looking into the, uh, the pantheistic religions of how they believe the universe is eternal and stuff like that. I'm like, well, that doesn't that doesn't really hold up to what we know about the universe because all the evidence points to the universe having a beginning. So if your religion is saying the universe didn't have a beginning, then how can I trust anything else that you say? So that was kind of like that kind of knocked those out. And then I got to the um, I got to the monotheistic uh, worldviews, which is Islam, Judaism, and Christianity. And I'm like, all right, all these guys believe in one God. How do I differentiate this, right? So I started, I looked at Jesus, right? After I, you know, dug into is the New Testament reliable and, and all of that stuff, uh, how was it put together? You know, I thought that maybe a bunch of dudes got together, put, put together the New Testament and put together the whole entire Bible. And, you know, it was a conspiracy theory to keep people in control. I looked into all of that stuff and it just didn't hold any weight. You know, um, so anyway, the way that you can differentiate how, how something is the truth is be, with something that's not the truth is what do they say about something that we know to be true? And after all of my studies, 
we know Jesus existed and we know that Jesus died on the cross. That is attested to by even the most skeptical of historical and biblical scholars. They believe Jesus truly existed and that he truly was crucified on the cross. So when I saw what the Muslims believe, I, I saw that they, you know, they have all these, they say that Jesus was not crucified on the cross. And I'm like, that, that does not, uh, doesn't compute. And I know they have their apologetics for, you know, the backflips that they do to say that, that uh, you know, Allah made it look like Jesus was crucified. So everyone was deceived. But then, all right, so we, we believe in a decept deceptive God now. But anyway, that's a whole different story. So that didn't, that didn't fit for me. And uh, it didn't fit, period. Not only for me, it just didn't fit to what we know about history. And so then you look at, at Judaism and Christianity. And the one thing that really separates them is the resurrection. So long story short, I, I spent time digging into this. And there's three major things that sold me on the resurrection, right? Because I'm like, they could have just stole the body. All the ideas that you guys have heard. Oh, yeah, the disciples stole the body. The Jews stole the body. Um, you know, he survived. He didn't, he didn't actually die on the cross, you know. Uh, I even read that you know, he moved to India or something like that. All, all of these different theories. There's even an alien theory as well, that, that Jesus, the, uh, the alien theory. So um, I'm looking at all this stuff, and I'm like, all right, what, what do we know? We know that the tomb was empty. The majority of scholars truly believe the tomb was empty. And the majority of scholars truly believe that the disciples believed that they saw Jesus after he rose from the dead. So there were three major things that really got me. Uh, one was Paul's conversion. Because I believed that, that Paul was an actual character in history. What we know about him is that he was a, a zealous Jew. And he went from believing that Jesus was from the devil to being one of the people who, who wrote a huge chunk of the New Testament. So what changed? And it was because he believed he saw the risen Christ. So that was one. Uh, another was that in my studies, I realized, I found out that, um, that uh, a woman's testimony was trash back then. Like they just did not believe that you even if you had 20 women that saw somebody commit a crime, their testimonies were garbage. You needed at least two men in order for a truth claim to be validated as true in Jewish culture. So if Christianity is essentially uh, an extension of Judaism, you know, this is how I'm looking at it at the time, it's an extension of that, then they're going to do things by, uh, by, they're going to do it the Jewish way, right? So the fact that Jesus revealed himself to the women first, the risen Christ was revealed to the women first, to me that was, I'm like, why would they do that? What If this was a forgery and, and complete nonsense, and they really wanted to drive this home and say, yeah, this really happened. Why wouldn't they have had the witness of two men? So that, that was big for me. And then um, also the, uh, the embarrassment, you know, uh, how you can, this was something that I learned uh, while I was studying it, the embarrassment of the, I don't know what you call it, um, uh, like the correct term for it, but that there's so many embarrassing stories about the pioneers of the faith that if these were forgeries, nobody would, you know, uh, nobody would um, would believe them, right? And then you not then you have the conversion of Jesus's own family, 
you know, his brothers, who, who James, who did not believe it, that Jesus was the Christ. And then after he rises from the dead, I mean, think about what, think about what you have to do to convince one of your siblings that you did something crazy. Now, imagine you were telling them that you were God in the flesh. They're not going to believe you. You'd have to rise from the dead for them to believe you. So, so there was that. Uh, there was a few things that, that really made me be like, dang. I think, I think Jesus is who he says he is. There was a, a few things. There was a lot more than three. But there was a few things that really made me... I, I can't tell you when I was like... Um, when I had the realization. You know, I can't tell you an exact, an exact time or an exact date. I know many people who put their faith in Christ, they, um, they can tell you the exact day, the exact moment, what they were wearing. They could tell you all that stuff. That's not me. I just remember having the realization that Jesus is who he says he is. The, the evidence is clear. What am I going to do now? I'm putting my faith in Christ. Uh, so one of my spiritual mentors, David Peach, you know, I've heard him, I heard him preach the gospel and, and speak about Jesus so many times that when I had this realization, I thought back to when, it, when he was speaking about it and he, he's like, how are you saved? By putting your faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ on that cross. And I was just like, all right, cool. I'm going to do that. I believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I didn't say it as sinner's prayer. You know, I, I didn't, as I said, I can't tell you the exact time that it happened. As David Peach says, he says, you know, John, I can't tell you when I put on this shirt this morning. All I can tell you is that I put it on. And that's, that's how uh, my faith is, right? So I now have this belief in Jesus Christ. I put my trust in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And another thing too, after I did all this research, I found uh, the case for Christ. And I was so mad that I found the case for Christ because I found the, the movie, right? I was so mad because I'm like, you mean I could have watched this movie? I could have just watched this movie and it would have answered all these questions. So if you have not seen that movie, go look it up. The Case for Christ, an incredible movie. You could get the book and you can fact check all of the things that he's saying. So now I'm a, I'm a Christian, but I'm a super carnal Christian. And not only that, I'm still lighting my candles. I'm still believing in the law of attraction. I'm still believing in these new age beliefs. And um, I didn't realize they were new age, but I was at Del Frisco's, Del Frisco's uh, Steakhouse in Manhattan after a training that David Peach did when he was in, uh, when he was in, in New York, right? We all went out to Del Frisco's and, and David Peach was talking about the end times. And while he's talking about the end times, all I could think about was my altar back in, um, back in my house, in, in my apartment. I was like, I cannot wait to get home. This dude is right. I cannot wait to get home and destroy this thing. So when I got home, I tore that thing apart. I didn't know what I was doing. I'm still brand new Christian. I'm like, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Ah, you know, like all this stuff. I don't, you're not welcome here. Like I'm doing all this stuff that you see on like TV or whatever. And I'm, I, I tear down the altar and everything. So what's interesting is when I tear down the altar and I renounced that stuff, my life got worse. So they did not lie. Um, my life got worse uh, world in, in a worldly sense. You know, I, I, my relationship I was in, living in sin at the time, uh, but that fell apart. My um, business started to fall apart. 
it, like everything just started to fall apart. But I was like, nah, I'm committed to this. I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not doing this, right? So even after intellectualizing all of that stuff and, and putting my faith in Christ and believing Jesus as my Lord and Savior and renouncing the, the occult practices I was doing, I still believed in the law of attraction. I still believed these new age beliefs, right? It wasn't until later that uh, it just started feeling wrong to practice it or talk about it or do it. And then it sent me on the rabbit hole of digging into that. But that is a story for another time, right? So at that point, though, I was a very carnal Christian for a long time. And uh, I know there's many people who don't like using that carnal Christian. They say it's an, it's an oxymoron. But if you just look in, into the, the actual meaning of that word, it just means worldly, fleshly. So I was Christian, but I was not... I was not walking a Christian walk. It was like I put my trust in Christ. I knew he was my Lord and Savior. I got rid of all the Santeria stuff, but I was still still living how I wanted to live. It wasn't until I um, started really digging into the Word, really, really, really digging into the Word, and this was a season of my life where I fell flat on my face, that we're going to save this story for another time, but I just want to give you, give you this of... I really dug into the word and I really worked on my relationship with Christ. I didn't need to go get delivered from demons. I didn't need to um, do any of that. I, I prayed the prayers to renounce general generational curses. Nothing changed. My life got worse and all that stuff. I believed all that stuff for a little bit. You got to understand these millionaires who believed in Christ. Yeah, they believed in Christ, but many of them believed in the prosperity gospel. So I was believing that as well, you know. Actually, the church that I... Um, that I went to, that I went down to the to the altar. That's a Joel Osteen church. It's like an offshoot of one of his churches. So, I, but I didn't know any better. Now, you know, after all that, I went to a really good church, and that's a story for another time as well. But, you know, I was really carnal. But it was not until I started digging into into the Word, where sin just started to fall off me, where the things that I loved I now hated, and the things that I hated, like reading the Bible, I did not like reading the Bible. I fell in love with it. So. You know, I'm, I'm just telling you this part right here so that if you're listening and you feel that, you know, you believe in Christ, you believe in all this stuff, but you don't really feel the relationship. You, there's no real, oh man, I'm in the word every single day. Oh, you have to make the effort to do it. Ask God to, to one, forgive you of your sins because we all commit sins after we, after we become saved. And, and those sins... You know, sin separates you from God. You will never be separated for eternity, but but sin can damage your relationship with God. So, and believe me, I use that word damage in a, in a very, uh, very loose way, okay? But it, it causes separation. It quenches the Holy Spirit that's living in you. Get back into your word. I'm telling you, when I started digging in, my life changed so much. It was a long process, very long process. I'm still going through the process right now. I'll be the first one to tell you I'm jacked up. You know, like I'm, I'm not this amazing, most perfect person in the world. But man, digging into the word changed my life. It changed my walk with Christ. This, this right here, guys, if, if you're listening to this on streaming, I'm holding up the Bible, right? I want to ask you, do you truly believe that this is the word of God? Do you believe that the creator of the universe, 
decided to use the hands of mere men and inspired them to write the inspired word of God. This is God's message, 66 different books, each one of them meaning a different thing, but from the creator of the universe. Each one of them has a different message inside. There is gold in all of them. And I'm talking about streets of New Jerusalem gold, all right? In each one of them. If you truly believed what this book actually is, a library of knowledge from the creator of the universe, why wouldn't you read it every day? And it wasn't until I had that real realization. Did I believe the Bible was the inspired word of God? Yeah, yeah, but those were just check marks on the list of Christianity. Yeah, yeah, I believe that stuff, but I wasn't living like it. And it took me falling flat on my face till I really dug into that. But that is a story for another time. And uh, so, yeah, that's, that's my testimony in a nutshell. There's some other subplots in there that maybe we'll get into um, uh, another time. But with that being said, uh, I'm just going to check the chat real quick, see if there's any questions that, um, that you know, I can answer for you guys before we sign out. So, Daryl, did, did you see any, uh, any questions or anything like that? Um, so, Susie said you didn't try to get delivered. I didn't, I, didn't know, I didn't know you could, like, go to a deliverance ministry and have somebody deliver you or anything like that. I, I didn't know about that. I was just... Uh, I was really digging into stuff. Um, at the time, I got into uh, John Ramirez's ministry, and the reason I did was because he was involved in Santeria. So because he was involved in Santeria, I thought the things that he was teaching were biblical, which they're not. But so I, I like he'll teach you not to pray prayers of negativity. Like like if you have things that you're afraid of in life, don't don't pray those prayers out loud because the devil's listening. And so I started believing all this stuff. And because of that, I started praying all these prayers, renouncing things and, and you know, all, all the deliverance prayers. And I watched a bunch of Derek Prince videos and, and he would go through breaking generational curses. I thought that I had generational curses and all of this stuff. And it just really, the more I dug into scripture, the more I realized that stuff does not align with scripture. So I kind of just also, it wasn't working. You know, I was still living in sin, still couldn't break the chains that, quote unquote, chains that were on me. It wasn't until I started digging into the word and working on my relationship with Christ and crucifying the flesh that I was able to overcome some of those things. So, yeah, I, I didn't seek out deliverance, Susie, in, in that way, if that makes sense. Um, what brought you out of Hillsong? Location. So here's, here's one of the other subplots. Uh, I started going to the Hillsong College. They had college classes with Nathan Finocchio at the time. And those were so good because that's kind of when I was like, maybe this is good. Maybe this is not uh, as far as me believing in Christ. I, I can't tell you how I actually felt at that time about Jesus. All I knew is I wanted to know. I didn't even know there was different denominations at that time. Going to Nathan Finocchio's college classes, it was like, it was like the matrix plugged into the back of my mind about Christianity. I, I didn't know what Calvinism was, Armenianism, uh, Pentecostal. I, I didn't know what any of that stuff was. And going to those classes, I really learned what Christianity believed. So what made me move from Hillsong? It was really just location. I moved to Florida for a little bit. I went to Calvary Chapel down there. There was also a, uh, like a, a sub. I got baptized at a, uh, 
it was under the Hillsong umbrella, but it was just a church that was by my friend's house. And so I got baptized down there. Um, but I, it was kind of just location. And then I just outgrew it. Um, you know, I went a few times after I was really digging into the words and I kind of just outgrew it. It just was feeling off. I feel like the Holy Spirit was, uh, was pulling at me. And then Nathan Finocchio left. And I was like, this is the only guy that I really liked here. <laughs> and then he left. So I was like, uh, I don't think I'm ever coming back here again. So that, that was it. It wasn't really, there was nothing crazy that happened. Did you ever, did you ever meet Carl Lentz? Yes. So here's, here's something I, I uh, really interesting thing happened. After I left, so I was going to the college classes, and one day I accidentally went to college when there was no class. They were doing a women's, uh, women's ministry thing, right? Uh, teaching women how to preach, right? So I, um, I sat through it. They were like, hey, you know, if you, if you weren't here, if you came for college and, and you're just here, you didn't get the memo, it's okay. You could sit through it, take notes or whatever. Carl Lentz was there, and so was Justin Bieber, right? But I did not meet them there. I just sat back, took notes. Uh, I learned how they, how they um, come up with their. <laughs> I learned how they come up with their sermons, and it's exactly. If you have not seen my videos of how mega church pastors write their sermons, uh, go watch them because that's how they write them. Uh, except they throw scripture in there to fit what they what they want to say. Um, but anyway, afterwards, I went to the store, and when I went to the store, I saw some guy digging, uh, digging in the garbage. So I was like, all right, let me get this dude a sandwich. I go get the dude a sandwich, and then I see another person. So I'm like, all right, I'm just going to give some sandwiches out. So I was doing that, and then when I was walking back to my car, here comes Carl Lentz and Justin Bieber walking down the street in my direction. I'm like, that's crazy. So, you know, I stopped him. I said, hey, I was accidentally at the, at the thing. You know, just want to say thank you guys. Uh, well, not thank you guys, but thank you, Carl, for, uh, for, you know, doing so well at the church because it, it, Carl was killing it at that time. His sermons were speaking to me. I can tell you some crazy stories that happened when, when I walked into that church and he, he started preaching about the, um, the tattoo I have on the back of my neck. I got this tattoo when I wasn't a believer. I got it because I have the world tattooed on my shoulder and I have Galatians 6.2. It says, bear everyone's burdens. I only wanted to use that part of the Bible verse. Uh, I, did, I left out the, and do the work of Christ. You know, but he, I, I walked into that church reeking of sin one day and he started preaching a sermon on how even in your sin, God can use you. And then all of a sudden I see Galatians 6.2 on the board and I'm like, this is crazy. So, you know, God uses people in spite of themselves. Uh, he uses churches in spite of themselves. He uses ministries in spite of themselves. Um, I was talking to a um, really big YouTuber today, and he told me there was somebody who was crusading with, um, with uh, Billy Graham. And turns out the guy who was crusading with Billy Graham wasn't even a believer, but there were so many people who attributed their salvation to that person who wasn't a believer and it's just interesting that you know the gospel has the power it's not the person preaching it it's the gospel has power so uh anyway definitely saw that all right all right all right so if there's no more questions i'm going i'm just going to scroll up in in case i missed something daryl did you see anything or or shout out to daryl in the in the chat being the, the moderator i had no idea what a moderator was uh until daryl told me so 
All right, guys, I don't see any more questions. Uh, so with that being said, uh, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for spending time with me. I, I hope you enjoyed this. And we are going to be collaborating with some incredible people here at the Why Jesus Network. And it is going to be a lot of fun. We're going to talk about tough topics. We're going to talk about uh, politics in the world. We're going to talk about world events. We're going to talk about entertainment. We're going to talk about everything through a Christian lens. And I'm excited, so excited. So we're going to be bringing these teammates on little by little, right? Uh, but I'm excited for you guys to see some of the incredible, incredible Christian YouTubers that are partnering with us here at the Why Jesus Network. So with that being said, God bless. Hit the like, hit the share, hit the subscribe. Send this off to anybody you want. And if you're listening on streaming, share this with everybody. And thank you guys so much for everything. Keep us in your prayers. Keep us in our in your prayers that we stay focused here on the gospel and we stay focused on bringing glory to God through this and, and not to ourselves. All right, guys, God bless.